Uh, excited to uh, start a brand new series this morning, Wildfire, and I'm excited in part because uh, it's uh, the content, I'm excited about that, but also excited because uh, it's summer. Uh, wildfire is a series we'll be in throughout this summer, and so that's good news because it's a good sign that summer is here, school is out, and fun is in, so that's exciting to me. And something happened to our family this past week that never, ever happens uh, uh, give me a second here on this. There we go. I feel better. But something happened this week uh, that was a very rare uh, Walla Walla event. Uh, last week, we had some friends come in town. And, uh, you know, I know what you're thinking. But uh, my wife's college roommate, her family came in town. This is the roommate that used to not care for me 20 years ago when Ann and I were dating. But she's come around a little bit. She's a pretty smart lady. But... Uh, but she and her family came into town, and uh, yeah, I know you're thinking that's not that rare. Right? You know, I mean, people come into town all the time. Friends visit. Maybe you got friends visiting this morning. Who knows? But uh, but what happened to us was rare, a rare Walla Walla event because they didn't just come into town. They came because they were passing through town. That never happens in Walla Walla. Nobody ever passes through Walla Walla. And you people who are Walla Walla natives, you may not know this, but Walla Walla is not on the road to anywhere. All right. <laughs> I mean, unless you live right in this area, you don't just pass through wall to wall. Even on the Oregon Trail, people had to make a decision to turn off and come into Walla Walla, right? But, but our friends came. They passed through town. We had a great visit, kind of kicked off our summer a week early. And, uh, you know, they live down in California in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they wanted to take a family vacation. So they let their 10-year-old daughter decide where they were going to go, which sounds really dangerous to me, but that's what they did. And so she opened up a book, and she saw pictures of Glacier National Park, and she said, let's go there. So that's what they're doing. They, they're probably on their way back by now. But uh, uh, they're that kind of people. They just get to the end of their street, and they say, where should we go, left or right? You know, they're just adventurous, spontaneous travelers. Anybody a spontaneous traveler here? Okay, all right. Uh, not too many of us. Well, I am not. I'm, a, I'm the opposite. I'm a planner. And, uh, you know, half the fun for me is the anticipation, planning the trip. And, and uh, so we like to kind of read up and study up about a place where we want to go and things like that. And, and the anticipation to me is, is half the fun. In fact, uh, we're planning our own trip uh, right now. going to take a trip in July to, uh, to Colorado, visit some friends there and have some fun. And uh, we've been planning on that. And it's a, it's a significant trip for me personally because uh, I'm going to do something really important. I'm going to spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of time in prayer, prayer for our church and prayer for, you know, the, this time of transition and, and how God would lead us. And so for me, it's part study time, part spiritual retreat, and then part family vacation. In fact, I want to point you to something that's in your worship folder, uh, your new and improved worship folder, by the way. Uh, and uh, in your worship folder, you got a card that looks like this. It's it's a little white card. It says prayer requests. And and uh, yeah, while I'm gone in the month of July, I'm going to spend some significant amount of time in prayer, prayer for our church. And I'd love to be able to pray kind of specifically about things that, that are interesting to you, that are in your life. And so I give you this card just as a way that you can... Uh, you know, let me know something specific to pray about. And you can put your name on it or not. It's, it's entirely up to you. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is, uh, you know, I'm not going to look at these cards until July. So if there's something time-sensitive, don't use this card. Use your, your blue connection card. But if there's just kind of some more long-term stuff, then, then I'm honored to be able to pray for you for that. So uh, 
So I'm anticipating a helpful trip, a helpful time away, and I'm anticipating some excitement stuff, exciting stuff for you guys here, because you get to hear from a variety of voices while I'm gone. I mean, I'm even bored with myself, so I know that you guys must be feeling the same way. So uh, you're going to enjoy hearing from some different people while I'm gone, and, and uh, that's all coming up, all things to look forward to. But this morning, uh, I'm anticipating what God's going to do through our study, Wildfire. I know he's got big plans for Trinity for the future of our church, and I think this study is going to help us uh, ascertain some of the key ideas and values, things that he wants us to be focused on in this time. And, and the study of wildfire is just a study through the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts tells the story of the early church. It's full of surprising events, full of challenges, setbacks in some cases, and yet through it all, the followers of Jesus, they kept focused on what's most important. And I think as we journey through the book, we've got a lot to learn from their example, and, and, and we'll find out how to make use of the same power that guided them. So, uh, so let's just dive into the story. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, it's just a continuation of the Gospels, specifically the Gospel of Luke, because it's written by the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the story starts with Jesus, who was dead and is now very much alive and is uh, and talking to his disciples. And as you know, uh, it's a Baptist church. We're in a Baptist church, and so part of being a Baptist church means that at least once per quarter, you've got to have a sermon with alliteration. All the points start with the same letter. Thank you. Cheesy. You've got to have a dad joke, too, on Father's Day. So, uh, so in your sermon notes, you'll see uh, a bunch of points. They all start with the same letter, letter P. And the first one, the beginning of this passage, is preparation. Preparation. Look with me at verse Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So, so Jesus spends time preparing his disciples for the work that they have next, and, and he prepares them in two specific ways, two different ways he's, he's strengthening them. Uh, first, there's a need for just strengthening about himself, about some of the events that have transpired. He, he patiently gives many convincing proofs that he's alive, and I can only imagine how hard it was for them to kind of wrap their brains around this whole idea. I mean, it's hard enough for us and, and probably even harder for them because they watched him die in some cases, and now they see him alive, and I'm not sure that that would help make it easier or harder to believe that, of what had happened. But either way, they needed some strengthening, and, and the first kind of strengthening they need is, is specifically about Jesus, about his resurrection. It's the most important aspect of Jesus' ministry, an important aspect of this new mission that, that Jesus is about to send them out on, sharing the good news of Jesus' resurrection with others. And so, uh, so that's one kind of strengthening they need or preparation. The second kind is just strengthening about the mission itself. They're about to embark on something world-changing, a significant mission. And they're, they're described as apostles, which literally means sent ones. They're, Jesus is, is sending them out, and, and they need to be strengthened in their mission. And the verse tells us over these days between the resurrection in the beginning of the book of Acts, that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. So he's strengthening them for this mission, teaching them, reminding them about the kingdom, about some of the things that they've already been taught. And what they've got to do is so important. Jesus wants them to have clarity about it, clarity about the, the mission, clarity about their purpose. And so he spends a lot of time 
strengthening them, preparing them, helping them get settled in their own minds the truth about who he is and about the mission that he's sending them out on. And so, so now they're ready to go, right? Just like preparing for a trip, they, they've got what they need, they've built up some anticipation, they're all set, except they're not. They're not. There's, there's something else that they need. Jesus has a, a promise for them. Promise is the second P in your sermon notes. Look at the next verse, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they got all this preparation, this, this strengthening, this teaching, and now they have to wait. Wait until this promise is fulfilled. Jesus says, don't go anywhere yet. He's, he's been teaching them all about the kingdom, all about how God wants to share this good news about the resurrection with the whole world, but not yet. Not yet. They've got to wait. He says, don't do anything yet. Don't say anything yet. All this amazing, life-altering stuff that's been shown to you, all this life-changing things that have been taught to you, you're, you're ready to go, you're locked and loaded, but don't do anything yet because there's something that they need something that God himself is going to provide, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. The work they have to do is not something they can do alone. They can't uh, do it without the Holy Spirit. All the convincing proofs are helpful, but they're not enough. They need something else. They need the Holy Spirit. And, of course, the same is true for us. We have this same job as the original apostles to spread the good news of Jesus, and we benefit from preparation, from the same kind of strengthening, being convinced in our minds, and yet it's not just a mental task, it's a spiritual task, and so we need spiritual strengthening as well, just as the apostles did. So the apostles, they have to wait, wait for this this promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you have read the book of Acts, you know what comes next. The Holy Spirit comes, and he comes in this very dramatic way, appearing as as tongues of fire. We're going to talk about that next week. And and so we called this series Wildfire, in part because that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes to these apostles first as fire, and, and wildfire, it pops up unexpectedly. It, it, it can't be tamed. It has an unending desire to spread outward, and that's true of the Holy Spirit as well. And throughout this series, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit works in the book of Acts and then how he should work in our own lives. Because this, uh, this, book, this book of Acts, it's, it's short for Acts of the Apostles because it traces the, the actions of the apostles in the early church and as they establish and form the church. But a lot of people want to say, well, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of an apt title for it. It emphasizes the real power behind all this growth and, and development. And, and that's not a bad point to emphasize. If you want to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, go ahead, you know. Uh, but, you know, when you start renaming books, people start sounding off their own opinions. And so one, one thing I read this past week suggested this title instead. The Continuing Words and Deeds of Jesus by His Spirit Through the Apostles. Well, that's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's accurate, you know, a little longer, but, but clarifying. And, and, you know, you can't just throw that out there without some academic person trying to sound off on that. And so another person... Uh, suggested this title for the book of Acts. The Acts of the Sovereign God through the Lord Messiah Jesus by His Spirit on behalf of the way. 
So that's a mouthful. I think that guy must get paid by the word or something. But, uh, you know, whatever, you want to write that in your table of contents, rename the book, that's all right. You know, whatever you're going to call it, the Holy Spirit is a key character. Uh, Jesus promised that he would come, and when he comes, everything changes. Amazing stuff happens. We're going to see that throughout the book as we journey through the summer. But, but let me just ask us all, do amazing things happen in your life? Uh, the kind of things that we see all over the book of Acts happen in your life. If people look at your life, are they going to describe it as wildfire? Right? I don't mean hot mess. People might describe you like that behind your back. But I'm saying the kind of stuff that happens in this book, does it happen with us? Are we in tune with, really partnering with the Holy Spirit? The same Spirit, you know, he hadn't changed. Or are we so cautious and predictable that our lives are more like a matchstick than a wildfire? Throughout this series, I really want to challenge us to, to let the Holy Spirit work. Don't hinder that wildfire from coming in and doing what he wants to do in us and through us. And the Holy Spirit that we need and the Holy Spirit the apostles need, it's a gift, a gift from Jesus. The apostles have to wait for it, and when he comes, they're going to have power. Power, that's what Jesus tells them next. Look with me at verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit comes, and he's going to empower them and empower us. He also comes with a purpose. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with power, and he comes with purpose. And the purpose is to be witnesses, witnesses to all that Jesus said and has done and all that Jesus is preparing them for. And this word that's translated witnesses, it's the same word we get the root word uh, martyr from. A martyr is a person who dies in testifying to their faith. And so we're witnesses to the end. The same example that Jesus gives of dying for the sake of the kingdom, we have that same job. That's why we need so much strengthening. That's why we need supernatural power. The task is bigger than we're capable of. We need each other for strengthening, but we need the Holy Spirit. And so the purpose of Holy Spirit empowerment is to be witnesses. And Jesus tells them, these original apostles, where they're going to be witnesses. Look at the verse again. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's these, these specific places mentioned, and then this broad statement, to the ends of the earth. So there's a sense that this work, this, this purpose, this purpose of witnessing will go on for a very long time, as long as it takes for the message to reach the ends of the earth. And if you look at a map, these places that are mentioned, they're basically like concentric circles, Jerusalem in the middle, and then Judea and Samaria, kind of the next layer out, and then, of course, the ends of the earth farther out from that. So kind of a series of concentric circles moving outward. And, uh, you know, if you grew up in church, if you've been in church a long time, chances are pretty good. You've heard a, pass, uh, a sermon on this passage before, Acts chapter 1. And uh, maybe that sermon was even full of clever alliterations like this one, you know, a bunch of words start with the same letter, preparation, promise, power, purpose. 
And chances are, if you've heard a sermon on this passage, then maybe you've even heard this idea of concentric circles, of moving out and things like that, that Jesus is challenging his apostles to start right here in their own backyard and go from there. And and chances are good if you heard that sermon, maybe you were challenged. I mean, I've heard this sermon before, challenged with a statement like, where is your Jerusalem? Where's your Judea, right? A challenge for you to identify your own personal mission field and, uh, I've heard that sermon, maybe you have too, and it's a good sermon, challenging, inspiring, but it's, it's got one fatal flaw, and uh, the fatal flaw is that the apostles, they don't get to choose where they go. They don't get a choice. Jesus isn't asking them, where's your Jerusalem? He's telling them where they need to go. They're going to go where the Holy Spirit leads them, and so the difference between us asking and, and us being told by the Holy Spirit is, is significant because If the choice is up to us, we're going to choose safe places. We're going to choose easy places. We're going to say something like, well, you know, my mission field is really my family. That's where I do all my disciple-making, my kids, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, Or we'll say, well, God's really called me to serve in my church. And don't get me wrong, those are both good things. Things that I've said myself, things that are important, and, uh, and we should be focused on those things. But I think the danger in only sticking with safe places is that we get complacent. We don't see the, the effects of this wildfire in our lives because we've kind of boxed ourselves in. I mean, yes, we should be serving our family. Yes, we should be serving our church, especially our church. We should be doing those things. We should be prioritizing those relationships. But we also have to be willing to go where the Spirit leads us. Go to places that might be uncomfortable, that might be a little dangerous. There's a famous group of missionaries, the Moravians they're known as, and and they're committed to prayer, around-the-clock prayer, 24-hour-a-day prayer. And they were committed to going wherever the Spirit led. Their their normal pattern was uh, going off in pairs, and they would start walking or they would get in a boat and start sailing and just go until they felt the Spirit say, stop, you know, or the boat would land, and they'd say, okay, and now they'd get off, and they'd start preaching and teaching and starting churches and just willing to go. They had amazing impact as a result of that because they were just willing to go and follow the Holy Spirit's lead. And, and the choices that Jesus mentions to his disciples, they're not exactly a great list of options. So, you know, if you were putting together a list of best places to go for an extended period of time and stir up controversy, you, these would not be the places that you'd want to go. I mean, Jerusalem was full of danger to these apostles. Everybody in town was aware of all the events that had transpired about Jesus. In fact, at the end of Luke's last book, the Gospel of Luke, he says that exact thing. Uh, two men are walking down the road, and the topic of conversation turns to Jesus and his resurrection, and whoa, that's weird, you know, and here comes this visitor who doesn't seem like he knows what's going on, and they say, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these last days? I mean, everybody in Jerusalem knows at least a little bit about what's going on with Jesus. And so Jerusalem's not a safe place for these apostles because of what happened to Jesus. He was killed there, and each of these guys, they were so scared that they ran away or they hid or they, you know, kept quiet. And the folks who orchestrated Jesus' death, they're looking for somebody else to pop up and try to keep that mission going. And they would have no problem executing any one of these apostles. But Jesus is telling them to start there. Start right there in the, in the mouth of the lion. 
And from there, go on to other hostile territory. I mean, Samaria, that's not exactly a place that's friendly to people like the apostles. They had their own religious heritage there, and they were very protective of it. If the apostles went to Samaria with this message, they'd be run out of that area too, or worse. So the work that Jesus is calling them to, this purpose of being his witnesses, it's not going to be easy. They don't get to choose the places where they could go. They're not leading the charge here. They're being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus promises them power. They're going to need it, power to be his witnesses. The Spirit gives them that power because they're going into hard places and they're doing hard stuff. They're going to need power. And the, the rest of the book of Acts is the story of the outworking of that power. And so as we study through, journey along with this very dangerous spirit, this spirit that's a wildfire, we've got to realize we've got that same purpose. We've been given the same promise, the same power, and we have the same purpose of these apostles, to go and to testify, to witness to the truth about the resurrected Jesus. And we've got that same purpose of bringing the kingdom into the world, and we're led by that same power. And just like these apostles, we don't get to choose where it happens, how it happens. We don't get to only go and witness in places where we're comfortable. So I'm not going to ask you, where's your Jerusalem? Because God's going to be the one to tell you. This, this purpose statement, it's the same for us. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us. And I know the whole idea of being guided by the Holy Spirit is a little mystical, a little weird. Uh, you know, how do you know it's God and not some other voice or a burrito that you ate or whatever? But we're going to talk about that in detail next week. But for now, one thing we've got to know is that we've got to resist the urge to just sit and be comfortable and complacent to just stay only with our family or only with our church or only at home. That's not our Jerusalem. That's not our Judea. The Holy Spirit is a, is a wildfire, unpredictable, dangerous force that has an impact on everything in its path. And the movement of the Holy Spirit, it resists stillness. It resists apathy. It resists comfort because the movement of the Holy Spirit is always outward always towards others, towards need, towards hurt, towards people who need them the most. So we can't take this, this power, this power we've been promised and given and bottle it up. We've got to turn it loose. We've got to go where he leads us. In my previous church, when I first started there several years ago now, it was a, it was a church very much like Trinity, uh, the church that was built on solid Bible teaching. In fact, the, the pastor who had been uh, leading the church wrote his own study Bible. I mean, it was some really crazy, solid teaching. He was a seminary professor, too, and, and so it was a very healthy church, a lot like Trinity, a lot of mature leaders that invested a lot in the church, a lot of good growth, and, and yet by the time I got there, the church leaders began to pray something a little unusual, um, a little dangerous even, but they prayed that the church would get messy, uh, that the church would be full, not just of people who knew a lot of theology and had been in church all their lives, but, uh, but, and those people are a gift, don't, don't hear me wrong. But th- these leaders, they were praying for the church to be full of messy people, people who didn't have all their stuff together, who didn't really know that much about theology, but knew that they really needed something that was real and true in their lives. And so that was the prayer, a very regular prayer, a very heartfelt prayer by the leaders of that church, and Guess what happened? 
the church got messy and, and fast. It was a, a crazy period of explosive growth, like, like wildfire spreading through the church. And, and suddenly we had challenges we never faced before. People were asking questions we hadn't even thought about. And, and messy people. But the best part is they were responsive, hungry for truth. I mean, there was an amazing time of ministry, seeing God at work. I'll never forget one particular Sunday we baptized over 175 people. You know, it was crazy. My arms were sore for like two days after that, just dipping people down in the water. But, but the movement of the Holy Spirit, it's always outward towards need and towards hurt, towards messiness. He's a wildfire. And when we start to tap into the promise and the power that he has to offer, when we follow him and his purpose, then amazing things happen. Everything's changed. So guess what I pray for for Trinity all the time? Messiness, yeah. I pray that we would just cooperate with the Holy Spirit in moving outward where real need is. And prayer is the key. That's the way we access this power. It's, it's the fifth P in your sermon notes, prayer. One of the major themes throughout the whole book of Acts is prayer. Almost every chapter has some kind of mention of prayer. It's just a critical piece of how the Holy Spirit works in the world. He responds to prayer. Look with me at one more verse, verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They all join together constantly in prayer. What a beautiful statement that is. If you look at other translations of this verse, it says they continued together in prayer with one mind, or with one accord they were devoting themselves to prayer, or they were all continually united in prayer. That's a great picture of these early Jesus followers, and it's a great image for us to devote ourselves to. There's a really awesome Greek word that's in this verse. It's, it occurs 10 times in the book of Acts. It's a, it's a compound word, so it's made up of two words together, and it's a combination of to rush along and in unison. Isn't that a great picture? Rushing along in unison. That's, a, that's the kind of prayer that they're doing. They're, they're on the move. They're following the Holy Spirit, but they're doing it together. Rushing along in unison. Led by the Holy Spirit, but led as one community. That's the way that we should respond to this power and to this purpose. I want us to notice one other element of this verse, verse 14. Uh, look at it one more time. They all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So the apostles, they're all gathered, and there's special mention made of the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want us to take note of that, and I don't want to read too much into that, but I don't want to read too little into that as well. I want us to take notice that here in this group that's devoted to prayer, that's all in one mind, that's, that's rushing along in unison, that these women are a part of that group, and, and they're praying, they're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit just as well. And as we're a church that's in transition, you know, one of the recurrent themes that has come up more than anything else over and over again is the role of women. I could say without a doubt that that's the single most frequent topic that people bring up to me, to our other church leaders, you know, and which is wonderful. I think it's so wonderful that people are curious about it, excited about it, passionate about it. And, uh, and I want you to know it's an issue that as leaders we're taking very seriously. We want to understand clearly what God 
has in mind for our church and specifically for the role of women here. And as we journey through the book of Acts this summer, one of the the themes that we're going to see over and over again is this very issue, the role of women. So I think we'll we'll be excited to see some of the things that God has to teach us. And so let me just encourage you to be in prayer for uh, for the leaders of this church. We want to do what's right by God related to that issue. And and the the heart of the verse, the heart of the whole topic is is prayer. Prayer. And let me just say a quick word about prayer. Uh, if you've been around Trinity the past couple of months, you know we've been talking about this, this mapping process, this, this process of kind of self-examination of our church, and we've filled out a church-wide survey. Thank you for the, those of you who did that, and we're close to getting the results, but this past week we had uh, some small focus groups gathered. The CB Northwest gathered some small groups to kind of discuss the findings and say, hey, this is what we think we see. Is that an accurate picture? And and I'm not going to share all those results with you now. That'll come uh, eventually. But uh, I just want to share one thing they mentioned in regards to prayer. Uh, as they examined our survey results related to prayer, they find that in all the different categories that they're kind of looking at, prayer ranked the lowest. Uh, that's, yeah, the lowest, the worst ranking was prayer. In fact, they said it's one of the lowest they've ever seen on a survey. Yeah, and, and just to put that in perspective, the guy who, who led the charge on this, he's retiring this month, so he's been around for a while. He's done a lot of surveys. He said it's one of the lowest rankings they'd ever seen. And, and I share that with you because I want us to all own that together. I want us to all own it together. Uh, just like these apostles, you know, God has given us preparation through his word. He's given us the promised Holy Spirit. He's given us power and purpose. We got all the same tools available to us. And these men and women who saw and did amazing things, saw the church grow in amazing ways, we got all the same stuff that they have. And the fuel for it all, the fuel to ignite this wildfire and see the same kinds of amazing stuff that they experience, the fuel is prayer. And there's no reason that we shouldn't have an unlimited supply of that fuel at our disposal. We should see this church, we should see this community have the same transformative impact that the original Jesus followers experienced. We just fail to take advantage of that fuel, prayer. And that's terrible news. But it's also very good news because that means we can do something about it, right? We can make prayer a priority, but we got to own that value, and Pastor Thad and I, we're working on a plan to, to kind of reinvigorate prayer. I'll give you more details on that as they come together. But if you're interested in helping with that, we'd love help. You can mark your, your connection card if you're interested in that. Uh, but we're committed to doing what we can, to tap into that same power, that same uh, promise that Jesus has prepared us for. And so I want each of us to commit to prayer. That's the fuel for all these things to happen. Let's, let's rush along in unison unified by the Holy Spirit as we just pour fuel on his wildfire. We want to see God at work, not only here in the church, but throughout our valley. The movement of the Holy Spirit is always outward, and we want to be faithful to that. So we know what we need to do, we need to be committed to prayer. That's how we tap into this power and this promise from God, that the Holy Spirit. So let me pray right now. God, we are uh, committed to you. We are grateful that you have worked so uh, well and so effectively in our church for a long time, and yet we don't want to be complacent. We don't want to be people who rest on 
the things that you've done. We want to be people who see great things coming down the line. We want to be partners with you in this purpose and this mission to go and spread the good news about your resurrected son. And we know that uh, you've given us everything we need for that. And we want to take advantage of that. Pray that you would help us to be even more committed to prayer and more committed to listening to you and following your will. And pray that uh, we would be a church that's full of people who need you, full of people who know how dependent they are on you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.